here is Jacob Press. How you doing, Jacob? Blessings in Jesus, dear friends. I'm hanging in there and looking forward to his coming. Amen. Amen. Well, happy New Year, Jacob. Hope everything is all right so far. Five days in. Well, the black swan is hoovering, but other than that... <laughs> black swan is uh, taking off. That's taking it. Off. Thank you. Uh, and we also have, of course, down under, Davey. How you doing? Yep, doing pretty good. Good to be with you and good to, good to have you back, Marco, too. It's been a bit of time off, so that's awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, January... 5th 2024 first one of the year and jay off to a good start aren't we absolutely happy new year everyone good to see happy you good to see you brother god bless you guys uh just real quick any any announcements jacob any uh any announcements anything new coming up uh and on then, the 14th uh, of january in? 14th of january in england i shall be speaking at arc christian fellowship at Swallowfield Village Hall at 10.30 a.m. Sunday, the 14th of January, Swallowfield Village Hall, the Art Christian Fellowship. That's south of Reading. It's between Basingstoke and Reading. Uh, if you're in the western suburbs of London and you don't have a church, we'd love to see you. It is posted on the itinerary page. Just Google Morial Itinerary. You'll find it. Also, we have the first American dates coming up the end of the month. The end of January, I shall be in New York City at the Church of the Open Door, Baltimore at the Church of the Open Door, two churches that are affiliated with Moriel. Then I shall be in Texas, uh, and the Texas dates are also posted. Looking forward to going to Texas. Um, the foundation that's promoting the meetings have hosted us before, and they did a fantastic job. They're wonderful brethren. Looking forward to being back in Texas as well as my native New York and in Baltimore, where my father's family was from. Um, so that'll be it. It's all up on the internet. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that Texas is gonna be fun. Texas is gonna be fun. Jay was just in Texas not too long ago. So that would be that would be good. Um, any questions, any thoughts, please go to moriel.org and you can find more information. As Jacob said, it will be posted. Uh, all the dates will be posted soon, so keep an eye on that. They're up already. They're already posted. Are they already up? Okay, okay. Even the Texas one, too? Yeah, we're still waiting for this guy from California named Marco to get back to us, but other than that, everything's posted. <laughs> that guy, that guy. Don't trust him. Don't yeah. trust him. <laughs> uh, Jay, any thoughts on the podcast uh, for the new year? Uh, I know people want to know more about it, but uh, if you have just uh, basic information where to put them to, that'll be great. Absolutely. Uh, just wanted to remind you that you can find our podcasts on Morio.org, Morio.tv, Buzzsprouts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Index, Amazon Music, TuneIn and Alexa, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podchasers, Podcasts, Deezer, and Listen Notes. Again... Oh. From all of those different platforms, you can download our lessons, our, our episodes of Catching Up with Jacob, Ken's Corner, uh, Sandy Simpsons, and they can be listened to anytime you want. So please awesome take advantage stuff. of our team's hard work to get you with the podcasts. Yes. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, you can you can avail yourself of all those, all those materials and download them on your phone, tablets, uh, computer, and take advantage of them. 
while we still have the internet. That's another story for another time, but take advantage of it and download and put them on a hard drive, put them on a flash drive, put them somewhere and get a hold of the Jacobs books on moriel.org. Uh, buy them there, take them, get a hard copy and uh, make avail yourself of those things. So wonderful. Let's catch up, Jacob. Let's do something a little bit different for this year. You want to start off with your hot take. What is your hot take of the week? I'll let you have the mic. Go for it. If you follow daily news events on the internet, you're astounded by the culture of celebrity. While major news events are taking place in the economic sphere, the political sphere, the strategic sphere, all kinds of things, the Middle East, obviously, the Ukraine, domestically, all what's happening in Britain, all kinds of things are taking place. Yet the volume of news that is diverted to is what's her name Taylor Swift dating this football player and these are major news items the significant percentages of the population that is what they're being diverted away from reality to focus on um that's the big news to them this has always existed in Britain with tabloid journalism um I remember there's a ridiculous thing called the sun I think it's ridiculous and it always has a page three pinup girl. And then the soccer scores on the back page. But the front page is always something ridiculous. I remember the day the Berlin Wall came down. This is going back some years now. And there was a little piece about the Berlin Wall coming down, the news of the century, a little piece. But the headline, the front page story, Victor elopes with gay lover. I know oh, God will teach that, says Reverend Jones. I that is their perspective of the world of a certain percentage of working class England. Not all of them, but a certain percentage of working class England in the council estates. That is what, what they're fed. It just keeps people small minded looking at idiocy. Well, it's always existed. It, it, the, the misuse of sports to divert people's attention. That goes back to ancient Rome um, with the chariot races and the gladiators and whatever. And the Olympics, this always has gone on, but the internet has transformed the world into putting this kind of of of, of bogus news uh, or bogus concept of news on steroids. Um, it, it's unbelievable how many people watch those things, but it works. It's gotten to the point where people will say absurd things, and it will be underreported and ignored. This week, when Biden was questioned by a reporter about the border, he said, they should give me the resources to do it. <laughs> that was his response. That's why he was blaming the border crisis on the Republicans not giving him the budget. A, a complete lie, total idiocy. But that's what he said. And people, just people who just see it, and they won't know that the mainstream media is just manipulating them. Well, this week was another one with Claudine Gay. Over 50 documented allegations of plagiarism, including on her doctorate thesis. Why is her doctorate not being taken away? or at least an academic review if it should be taken away? Why is she being able to retain her position as a professor in Harvard if 
a portion of her doctoral thesis was plagiarized. Obvious questions. Associated Press has come out and said that plagiarism has now been weaponized by the conservatives. <laughs> the fact that she plagiarized over 50 instances, we're not just talking about one, and she even admitted or was agreed she had to revise one of the things she published because she did not give due accreditation to sources, attribution to sources. Even she admitted it <clears throat> functionally. Uh, no, it's just, it just happens because plagiarism has now become a political weapon of the right. <laughs> you couldn't fathom people being so stupid as to believe this, but there's people who do. Then comes Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton had to go a bit under the radar for a while. He's an opportunist. He's a windbag. He's a, obviously, he's an opportunist. Um, he's in the race industry. But after what happened with Tawana Brawley in Wilson, New York, when he alleged these crimes took place against a black woman that it turns out never did. And then he gave a repeat performance of the same thing in Ferguson, Missouri with Michael Brown, um, where both autopsies showed it was not a hands-up shooting with his back turned, where all the forensic evidence showed that Michael Brown, after robbing a store uh, in the company of a felon uh, who was wanted for robbery and who had on a previous occasion had admitted having lied to the police and had spent five years in prison and was wanted, was in the company of Brown. When Brown robbed the store, Brown is under the influence of substances, cannabis and alcohol. A, a cop recognizes him, uh, 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 spitting the identity of the person who perpetrated the robbery. And there's severe facial injury to the cop. Michael Brown's fingerprints are found all over the cop's holster. He went for the cop's gun the both autopsies show the angle of, of of entry of the bullet bullets were not hands up don't shoot back turned the guy was lying the guy who had lied on a previous occasion to the police and who was wanted and had an incentive to lie and then there were no fewer than five possibly six witnesses all of them black americans interviewed by holders eric holders fbi were inconsistent in their story. None of them would say it was hands up, don't shoot. But Sharpton came out and he pushed this whole thing at Ferguson of hands up, don't shoot. It is also how squad member, who is not even a lawyer, but Nancy Pelosi put her on the House Judiciary Committee, despite the fact she's not a lawyer. I speak of uh, Lori Bush. Uh, again, was another person who politically capitalized on what happened at Ferguson, except nothing happened at Ferguson. A guy robbed a store. <clears throat> a cop identified him. Uh, he assaulted the cop and went for the cop's gun, and he got killed. That's all that happened. Um, and, 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 and his accomplice lied uh, with a motive to lie. Uh, that's all that happened. So Sharpton had to go low. It was the second time he pulled such a stunt and it backfired on him. He refused to admit he was wrong. He just went into almost hiding. He just maintained a low profile. Okay. Well, now he's been sticking his head out again. 
And he says that what happened to Gay, the president of Harvard, having to resign, forgetting the fact that a white feminist president of the University of Pennsylvania also had to resign, who was a Caucasian, he said, this is an attack on all black women. Nobody addresses the fact that one of the women most plagiarized by gay was Carol Swain, a genuine academic and a very credible researcher and author, author S, who <clears throat> wrote the definitive book published in the last 15 to 20 years on the relationship between race and electoral politics. And she's a conservative, but she's a black woman, a black woman gets plagiarized by gay, and Sharpton says this is an attack on all black women. Well, is, is it an attack on Dr. Carol Gay, uh, Carol Swain, who, who gay plagiarized? It's just ridiculous what he says. Forget about the facts. Forget about the fact that there's documented evidence su supporting that the, the, the allegations that she's committed plagiarism 50 times, and she's unqualified for the job she had. Therefore, she's unqualified for the job she had. She shouldn't even be a professor, let alone president of Harvard. Forget about that. Automatically racialize it. If you question the integrity of a black person, you're a racist. And it's an attack on all black women. <laughs> How stupid can it be when people can say things that are absurd, patently absurd? When Biden can say things that are patently absurd, when his spokesman, the lesbian, uh, Karine, uh, what's her name? Karine Jean-Pierre. Yeah, Jean-Pierre, yeah. When she refuses to answer questions put to her, even by left-wing journalists that are politically inconvenient, things that are just ludicrous, are underreported by the mainstream press and accepted by progressives. It doesn't matter how stupid something obviously is. It doesn't matter the, the fact that it lacks even a macadam of credibility. They throw it out there and they get away with it. Meanwhile, other people are worried about who Taylor Swift's boyfriend is, the football player or whatever it is. This is a sad situation. Is this what freedom of the press is supposed to be about? Is this what it's supposed to be about? Is it supposed to be about investigative journalism and uncovering facts? Uh, it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's, it's not even about political propaganda anymore. It looks like it's become lowest common denominator entertainment. MSNBC... CNN, Washington Compost, New York Slimes, the BBC, these things have basically become lowest common denominator entertainment. That's what we've got for news. How low the intellectual's level of society has become. Yet they get away with it. Thank you, Jacob. That's your hot take of the week. 
absolutely right well you know the the press and the media they they they, they prey on on people's intelligence or low or lack thereof lack or, of it. Yep. Yeah, and they they completely are immersed in uh, all kinds of different things people are immersed in football and sports and um not, not i wouldn't have anything wrong with just in and of themselves but the immersion of it and the and, and the fanaticism of it that nothing else matter except that or Taylor Swift's love life. Those are the only two things that people really care about anymore. And uh, it just shows the level, um, not only of intelligence, but just in, in general, the uh, the expectation of young people, that that's really all you need to know. That's really all you need to care about. It's, 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 it's know those things, then plagiarize your way through college and get a good job. And that is the that's example. Right. That that's right. Yeah, that's the example. <laughs> Again. Jacob, let's catch up a little bit here on some of the things that have gone on. The mass shooter, of course, at Perry High School identifies as Ditlin Butler. He is a trans activist, seemingly. He might be uh, part of the community himself, not sure, but killing one, injuring five, um, seemingly on all his media posts, on his social media posts, he, they, pronouns, all that stuff. And um, no doubt, this was a tragic thing that happened yesterday in Iowa. Again, we're seeing this again more and more of uh, people in that community, trans activists, uh, taking it out on those who perhaps oppose it. Uh, but this is, again, like the trans shooter in Nashville, something that it's repeated again. We still don't yes. know the trans manifest because the FBI keeps holding it. Uh, but this story is going to disappear very quickly. So before it does, because the media wants nothing to do with the story, but before it gets away from the consciousness of people, we want to talk about it very quickly. Jacob, your thoughts on it? It's a tra terrible well, tragedy. Say, it's a disproportionate amount of crimes and shooting crimes. Yes. Gun crime again, perpetrated against children. Against children. We saw it in Nashville. We've seen it again. Can you imagine if, if somebody who could be identified or misidentified as a Christian nationalist did that? They would, they'd never live it down. Never. It, we, but if a transgender person perpetrates the same crime against children, shooting little kids. It's all swept under the rug. This is how disgusting the mainstream media is. No, there's no doubt. And, and obviously, the uh, the one thing that has not been addressed is, of course, the SSRI issue. No. Yes. The SSRI issue so, is a big Side part effect of those serotonin suppressing drugs. This is absolutely correct. The very high rate of of psychotic dysfunction among transgender people, uh, double the national average at least. If, if the, even if the statistics available are accurate, it would be double the national average of people reliant upon these serotonin suppressive medications. Um, what does this is for psychotics? This is not okay. Even things like Valium are abused, but we're not talking here about Valium. We're talking. We're talking about serotonin suppressants. We're That's talking right. about serious medications. These are for psychotic. In other words, the rate of psychotic illness, diagnosed psychosis, among transgender people, it must be at least double the national average. Yeah, compared to heterosexuals, yeah, it's it's more than twice as likely. More than twice as likely. And around 25% of them are uh, certainly using SSRI. So a large number of the community, uh, a quarter of yes. the community. One out of four. Yeah. 
and this is one of the reasons why they're overrepresented. Even the media doesn't want to admit it. They're overrepresented in all kinds of mass shootings, not just this one, all kinds of mass shootings. All kinds. This is the rise seems to be part of the big equation in, in many of these shootings. But they say the problem are the Christians who oppose it. Yeah, because it's usually blamed on those who oppose it. Exactly. Usually blame on those who oppose it. Uh, now, this the AP is already going at it, saying that he was bullied. Uh, people went against him, and so this is his way of releasing all that. Shooting little kids is the way you get back at people who bully you. Incredible. Yeah, this is uh, this is a new normal. He got tired of bullying, says AP Press. Classmates, it says of the shooter, uh, he was being bullied because he was confused, and uh, of course this escalated recently, and then obviously the SSRIs, and then of course. Uh, uh, social media scrubbed his account. He can't get a lot of information now because it's all being taken taken off the internet. And so now you're not going to find anything. So it's going to go away, just like the shooter in Nashville, just yeah. like the shooter here. It, it's going to go away very quickly because you know what? I don't think people care that it happened to be little kids who were shot. Oh. This is horrible. This is a horrible oh. thing. But uh, the, the account TikTok's been scrubbed, uh, Instagram's been scrubbed. So. Uh, we're not going to hear too much about it, but I think we, people need to hear about it here because it's not going to be the last time, uh, I believe, this is going to happen. Because uh, we're going to ignore it, because the mainstream media is going to cover it up, we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to address the issue. And because yeah, of will. that, children will die. Yeah. We already have been repeating it. We've had Colorado, we've had Nashville, we've had Aberdeen, we've had Denver, and now Iowa. Um, and these are just in recent times, but they're doing the same kind of gaslighting or the term I heard last week, Gaza lighting. They're doing the same kind of thing. It's, you know, transphobia or homophobia or it's uh, Islamophobia where they play up the victim mentality and they mm. get away with it. It's the poor, the poor trans. Getting back to the SSIs too, uh, it, that combined with the hormone blockers and the puberty yes. blockers oh, yes. treatments, yes. It's a it's a dangerous cocktail. Just um, it's been proven. Yeah. And so on the one hand, we, we pump the SSRIs, and on the other hand, we combine it with all the hormone therapy and transitional transitional drugs, which they, even doctors have said we don't even know. There's no study. There's no long-term study of what's what what these drugs can do, and you're mixing it, as Davey said, with the cocktail. What do you expect to happen? These these uh, it's just going to be absolute violent violent response what is really interesting is this week in new hampshire a liberal democrat state maybe not as far to the left as as as, as its neighbor vermont but definitely a liberal state definitely a a blue state and uh its legislature which is democrat dominated voted on parental rights that schools must inform parents wow. about about children wanting to transition and things of this this nature and the homosexual activist lobby is saying this will endanger the children <laughs> oh man just the complete destruction of parental rights and responsibility and replacing them with the state um no it's going to hurt the children if you if you make the teachers tell the parents that the children are looking to, to transition this way or yeah. something it is unbelievable. You, your trial can be prescribed these kinds of drugs or make life-altering surgical decisions and, and, and without parental approval um, of children. This is how sick and evil it has become. 
Yeah, no doubt. And Jacob, I think we talked about it here, but something's looming among states here in America because you have states like Washington and Oregon, which are very, very open to that, especially Washington, bringing in kids. You don't have to report to the parents. Uh, you can bring youth into uh, a shelter. The shelter has to take them to a government facility if they, if they show any signs of wanting to transition. You can't tell the parents. And um, a lot of kids get brought into Washington. In Idaho, which is a state that does not want that, in Wyoming doesn't want that either. They're having some problems there because their kids being taken from Wyoming and Idaho into Washington, yes. and yes. Washington and Idaho is very much considering kidnapping charges, taking them across state line because they're taking these kids to have life-altering surgeries in a state like Washington. So it's going to come to, I believe, at some point, this massive division, maybe some blockades at the state's yeah. uh, border uh, because of this issue. This one issue about children yeah. is going to become huge. I think you're correct. Will you leave yeah. a passport to cross the state line? At some point. You know, I'm not saying tomorrow or the next day, but it has yeah. to be resolved because states are not going to Idaho, uh, Wyoming, they're not going to sit back and say, we're going to let our children be taken into another state just because it's legal there or because they could do it there. Yeah. What you're also seeing is, again, in, in the case of New Hampshire, it was a Democratic Party-dominated state legislator that voted for this legislation. <laughs> the, the radical left, the progressives, will turn against the Democrats. Mm. Blinken, his home was, Blinken's house in Washington was picketed this week um, by, by pro-Hamas, pro-so-called Palestinian demonstrators and activists. Oh. The left, it's the, the Democrats themselves, the left center Democrats are being intimidated by the radical left, mm. being forced to go further and further left and acquiesce to what oh. the extreme left wants. Um, it's always like it, it, it's it? interesting how it's turning on them. Yeah. It's turning on the liberals. Very, very interesting. Well, let's talk about something else, Jacob, that, that it's, it's going to turn on the liberals. This is this, this Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Uh, let's talk about it. Jeffrey at this document dump part two is, is two dumps already that have come in. It, what many think is just the beginning. And uh, the, the info of names, obviously, the names that were released, it doesn't mean that they were uh, nefariously taking part of this, this uh, destruction of human lives and, and the women and the, and the young girls that were uh, in, engaged in sexual activity. But uh, many names, many names, uh, about 150 associates to be released. Uh, I'll give you some of them, and you give me your take on it. And, and every one of us here can give our take on Bill Clinton. Uh, well, big big shock there, right? Um, Maine Senator George Mitchell, French model scout uh, uh, Jean-Luc Brunel, former New Mexico governor, uh, New Mexico Bill Richardson, scientists Marvin Minsky, Michael Jackson, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was really bizarre because, uh, according to this, he's participated in all kinds of underage orgies. Um, How could he do that as, when he couldn't get out of a wheelchair? <laughs> yeah, make that as, as as you can guess. Al Gore, George Lucas, David Copperfield, Naomi Campbell, Kevin Spacey, which he said, I'm gay, so I shouldn't be on the list, which is another story. Uh, what a list. Now, it doesn't mean that they participated in it. There's many other names that, are not, that we didn't say, but that doesn't mean they participated on it, but they are consider associates or people that Epstein brought up during his his conversations with Maxine uh, uh, with Maxwell or other of the girls they, these names were brought up my own perspective is this the reason that, the reason that they have 
released these lists and shown so many people, um, people who almost certainly did not have anything to do with pedophilia, people like like Stephen Hawkins or people like uh, Alan Dershowitz and so forth, who may have just known Epstein, flown on his plane, been to his island, but did not engage in anything of a sexual nature. When you flood the list with that kind of amount of disclosure about that many people, it becomes a way of giving plausible deniability to people like Bill Clinton or, or whoever else, or, or, or possibly Bill Gates, some would say. It gives plausible deniability to the real perpetrators of sex crimes against children by saying, well, everybody's on that list. Well, he, he, knew, he knew a lot of people. Many people flew on his jet. Many people have been to his island. Uh, I, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't involved in anything of that nature. It just gives plausible deniability to those who actually did engage in pedophilia. And I think that that is why it came out. It's being put out as, look, you see, nothing's being hid. Nothing's being suppressed. We're going to put everything out in the open. It's being presented that way to the public. But in fact, what it is doing is giving plausible deniability to pedophiles. That's, that's my perspective. Point. Yeah, that's a good point. Jay, what do you think? And this is a defamation lawsuit. Doesn't mean anything per se, but there are a lot of associates mentioned here. Why don't we know the other names, the ones that the F FBI has been holding on to? You know, as Jacob said, it clouds the, it muddles the water, it clouds the, 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 your vision. What about the other names? Oh, the other names are, are people that are in the government right now, probably the administration, <laughs> probably one of them, Joseph Robinette Biden, but because it would topple the current power structure, it is a matter of national security. Therefore, it can be redacted. Therefore, mm -hmm. it is imperative that it be covered up. And as Jacob was just stating, you know, what they're giving us is literally the iceberg on the surface. Yeah. And remember, an iceberg is always much larger underwater than it is on the surface area of above the water. This goes really deep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it, brother. You mentioned the one that was redacted. How do you get your name redacted? Prince Andrew couldn't get his name redacted. Other people couldn't get their names redacted. One name did, was redacted. It's there, it's about 15 characters long, perhaps. And people may try to make case of uh, what it could be, but there's only one, in my mind, there's only one reason you take it out, national security, as you said, national security. So it, it very much plays on, it could be a current White House administrator or somebody in the White House cabinet, whatever it may be, it is pretty, it, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? It's a key figure that they still need to be there. No matter yeah. who it is, it's someone very, uh, close to the power circle or the head of the power circle. Not that Biden is in the power circle. I don't know where he is, but it's definitely not in power. <laughs> now, I want to ask you this too. Uh, Megan Kelly, which we know she's in mainstream media, now she's on her own, independent, raised some eyebrows. She said something bizarre. And then she says, well, we might be hearing from Epstein directly if she's allowed to make that happen. What in the world is she saying? Uh, we're not done with Epstein yet, but maybe we can hear from him directly. Uh, Jay, help me out with this. Uh, well, I mean, for me, it's so easy to surgically alter a corpse 
and then put it into a cell when all the when all the cameras magically go off at the same time so that you can't see anything it's very easy to to do a lot of different things and i i've said it i'll say it again personally i think he's on a beach somewhere probably you know given his proclivity somewhere in thailand enjoying the percentage and the interest he's getting from his money-making power scheme either that and i'll give you the the alternative everything that epstein ever did as far as talking to people and the activities on his island have been video recorded and someone has leaked the archives that's correct that's correct there's some recorded or written material of him um that can be introduced into public evidence posthumously. Mm. Yes. This is, again, this is about, you know, sex trafficking, child trafficking, pedophilia. A lot of um, these sex creeps, they like to video stuff, don't they? They like yeah, to have bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> the man owned an island. And, yes. And he was obviously a honeypot for inte- intelligence gathering and uh, being able to pressure different politicians and powerful business magnates. You don't Very think he had like, video evidence of everything that he could show people to intimidate them to do what he wants? The interesting thing about the FBI, uh, what they have, and it's under the FBI, just like the ones about the trans-Nashville shooter, they won't release it, but the, the, it's it's there because we know the FBI collected quite a bit of hard drives. The one thing that was interesting the FBI did say is that there are names of the victim and the names of the aggressor, in this case, the rapist, uh, on every hard drive. Every hard drive has two names, the name of the person and the name of the victim. And that is bizarre. That means that that Epstein had dibs on every single one of his clients. And, uh, and, and, and there's a reason why these blackmail, you know, information and prominent American politicians are, are listed in there because, uh, there's a client list. We know there's a client list. Yes. It's yes. been said in, in, in the court cases, a client list, but we don't know the clients. That's the one thing we don't know. We know there's a client list, but we don't know. And, and the FBI is hiding thousands of videotapes and uh, <laughs> that are going to be used, to, I guess, to blackmail. So it brings up the point on the administration, and this is the point, why they don't want to stop the child trafficking through the border. The current administration does not want to stop because it's, a, it's billions of dollars. It's it's billions, with a B of dollars of revenue for, for their supporters. I mean, it's not yeah. just sex trafficking. Some of these kids are brought and they're put into, like, places to pick grapes, places yes. to pick vegetables, and they don't earn anything. They're given yeah. a they're given a hovel, and a bowl of of mush every day to eat, and that's considered their immigration. And that's their slavery, their indentured servitude, until they've paid off the debt, which they never will pay off. Yeah. And, and that's, that's billions of dollars. Billions. That's right. And that's why they don't want to stop it. Correct. Trump wanted to stop it. The Democrats have always been about slavery. Since, right. since 1861, they've always been about trafficking people. It's just, instead yeah. of trafficking a certain nationality, they traffic children. They traffic immigrants. They traffic slaves from Asia, from Africa. That's yeah. what the Democrats are all about and have always been about. 
And of course, they're taking advantage of what James says. people. Go ahead, Jay. Jacob, go ahead, Jacob. With what James says. <laughs> I also think that there's two other factors that we need to take into account in the thinking of the establishment with regard to these issues of the children, particularly, but not only the children, the general the, the, the general problem of, of, of this un unsecured border and the illegal immigration. One of which is demography. The Asian economies are in longer trouble. South Korea is in trouble. Uh, certainly, apart, India is not, Philippines are not, but China certainly is, Japan certainly is, okay? The United States, uh, Europe certainly is. The United States would be in such trouble also if it were not for immigration, okay? And unlike Europe, at least we can bring in Hispanics primarily who are Judeo-Christian, westernized, essentially products of a Western civilization as opposed to those who are products of an Islamic civilization who are colonizing Europe. We're bringing in Hispanics who at least have a common um, European and Judeo-Christian heritage. That's one thing, okay? It's to protect the national demography that we've so damaged with abortion, okay? We've depopulated ourselves with abortion. You've got to get the people from somewhere, or we'd have the same problems you have in South Korea, Japan, Europe, and China. The other factor <clears throat> is labor-intensive industry. To remain wage-competitive, there is no way the United States can remain wage-competitive against economies like Indonesia or even Mexico. There's no way we can remain wage competitive in labor intensive industries unless, as James said, you have slavery. Um, it was interesting that the founder of the Farm Workers Unions in California was his, what was his name? Caesar Chavez? Yeah, Cesar Chavez. He vehemently opposed the legal immigration. Correct. He was a Hispanic himself, but he understood the realities of what was happening with the slave labor. He vehemently opposed it. <clears throat> but of course, they don't. That that's like a black conservative. They have to sweep that under the. It's it's like the things that Martin Luther King said that don't fit with Black Lives Matter says. You've got to you've got to edit purge that. You've got to edit it out of the historical record. Yeah, no, no doubt that these things are in a very real way. I wanted to ask something really quick before we get st uh, started because uh, on the on the next topic because eighty five thousand migrant kids went missing April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. We have not been able to track any of this down. No one's found out where these kids are. 85,000, you could imagine the amount of uh, prostitution, as Jay talked about, slavery, that goes on even when we don't even know it. They just We just know that these kids were one time came into the States. We don't know where they are. 85,000 missing. It, it's unbelievable. Uh, David, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, well, this will actually tie in, too, with what you were talking about, the kids, because um, when you were talking about, Jay was talking about the amount of money and child trafficking and all, all the rest of it. I keep thinking of Revelation 18, verse 13, you know, where it talks about um, the judgment that's coming on Babylon the Great, you know, where that's it right. 
two of the things that are mentioned as slaves and human lives. But as I was look, looking for the verse, I just noticed something and it's kind of like, I need to look at this more and I'd be interested in your guys' uh, thoughts too. But I just happened to notice Revelation 18, 21. Then a strong angel picked up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, so will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. And I couldn't help but think of Jesus' words, you know, it'd be better to have a mill tied, yes. a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Uh, so I just wanted, I just noticed that then and I was kind of like, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on it. Well, We've been saying this for some time. Um, in the eyes of God, what these people are doing is a capital crime. And if you look at the context of the passage you cite, notice it is not just hurting the children, but spiritually abusing them, yes. affecting them spiritually. When you do that to somebody, when you surgically reconstruct somebody to resemble the opposite sex even though their even though their DNA says that or their chromosomally of one of one sex they, they, they're surgically mutilated to resemble the opposite one that will affect somebody not only psychologically it'll affect somebody spiritually that's right that's right and you're doing it to a child yeah now that, that's a that's a big important passage in uh Babylon the Great in the book of Revelation, David. Thanks for sharing that. That's a, a very powerful passage in terms of what it will become eventually uh, with this, uh, this world power, as it were, some, the kingdom of the Antichrist and Babylon the Great. Uh, I wanted to ask you something, Jacob, about uh, people are making big predictions about 2024. We've never talked about that here, uh, or I'm not going to ask you about predictions of the sort. But they are making big predictions based on black swan events, which is, of course, a term that is basically says it's an unknown, unknown scenario that it suddenly happens and it makes this, um, you know, it carries with it some big implications for the world. And usually because of the swan effect that goes down. So it could be it could be a cyber attack. It could be uh, some kind of a, a stock market crash or a war that nobody predicts. So that's the idea of a black swan event to those who don't know. There's a lot of concerns about that. And one of the major, you know, catalyzing events that would seem unpredictable, it would be what's going to happen with the elections in 2024 here in the States. A lot of countries in the world are, are hedging their bets, as it were, because many of their political aspirations and economies are tied, uh, believably enough, to the United States still, even though it is what it is at this point, uh, they still hang their hats on what happens to the U.S. So it, it's going to be an extreme impact of some sort. But what do you think about this? It seems to be the Black Swan event being promoted by the Dems. It seems to be they're the ones that are promoting it. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. Uh, it, it, it's setting something up, it, it feels, for maybe some kind of election interference, whatever the case may be. What, what are your thoughts on these? Let's remember something. That the strategic epicenter of the Western world, although NATO is headquartered in Brussels, it's the Anglo-American alliance. It's Washington and London. And although there are other financial centers that have emerged or, or tried to, like Dubai and, and things of that nature, the global finance is still basically, basically, very much a function of New York City, Wall Street, and London, City of London. Still is, even post-Brexit. 
Okay. You have not only general elections in the United States, you have a major election coming in Great Britain at the same time as in the United States. It's double barrel. Mm. Um, Americans don't see it this way, but when you're in this side of the Atlantic, you understand that, that, that the strategic partnership between the United States and Britain, or, or the five eyes as they're called, right, helping Australia and, and Canada and, 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 and the United States and Britain, the five eyes, you, you understand that the, the British Commonwealth, or British, what happened in the British Empire, the, the British government is still, it's the junior partner, but it's still a major factor in the equation. The fact that you have elections in America and Britain the same year, and there are elections that are going to determine the future of the country, if countries, both countries, if they're going to have one. Um, this must be must be weighed very carefully. It, it, what's happening with, with, with the American elections and the British elections happening in tandem with each other, that compounds the impact of what's going to transpire electorally and the ramifications. Secondly, um, again, when Thatcher was elected, everything changed. The cold, the cold war would not have ended. The Iron Curtain would not have come down had Margaret Thatcher not been elected. She was, she was the unsung hero of of, of of the collapse of the Soviet Empire, much more than much more than Reagan, in my opinion. But be that as it may, don't discount the fact that there are elections in both Britain and America at the same time. Second thing. Uh, <clears throat> That, that, that I would look at in regards to a black swan event. The black swan events happen, and once they happen, things can never be the same again. They always inaugurate a new normal. They always inaugurate some kind of new normal. Things can never be what they were before the black swan event, okay? But although most people don't see it coming, even most pundits, even most analysts, most economists, most geopolitical strategists, even most people don't see it coming. Some do. Let's look at the black swan events that have taken place within the last few decades. September 11th. Steve Emerson was warning. The Israelis were warning. Something like that was going to happen. Bush didn't care. The Democrats didn't care. People ignored it. They kept giving visas to Saudi Arabians. They didn't care. But those who knew, knew something was going to happen. Black Swan event. 2008, you had the ridiculous babblers. That dead guy who runs around ringing the bells and pushing the whistles. Was it Jim Bridge? What's Jim his Kramer. name? Kramer. What, what a clown. You know what <laughs> People like that don't see it coming. But uh, what's his name? Noriel. Noriel. The economist, he saw it coming. Other people saw it coming. There Michael were people. Burry. Yeah, Michael yeah. Burry. Yeah, there were people who saw it coming. Um, well, COVID, that came out of nowhere. That came out of, it seemed to have come out of nowhere. It seemed to have come out of nowhere. But there were people warning yeah. about the politicization of the CDC, of the 
National Institute of Health, of the World Health Organization, that these were not scientific or clinical organizations. They were actually political organizations operating under the umbrella of public health. There were people who saw it um, and, and who, who was talking, there were people talking about pandemics 18 months earlier, including including a seminar that was hosted by Bill Gates. Yeah, then 201. Yeah, I mean, you know, this black swan takes 95% of the people by surprise. The idea is to be one of the 5% who see the swan circling <laughs> before it lands. Before it lands. Okay? <laughs> and, and now I can tell you there definitely is a swan circling. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a prognosticator or a pundit, but there's some kind of a swan circling. This is for sure. Um, that's the way it is. That's my perspective. Yeah, Jacob, you mentioned the UK. Things can never be the same again. Yeah. Once the swan lands, things can never go back. There's always going to be a new normal. Regarding the UK elections, you think the Tories uh, hang on to it? They're in serious trouble. Mm. You have a hopeless prime minister, a Hindu, hopeless. The, the real conservative, who was also an Asian, an Asian woman, Suella Braverman, uh, she was marginalized by the British equivalent of the rhinos. In the Tory party, you have the stop, you have the equivalent of rhinos. They tended to be the, uh, they tended to be, remain pro-Europe. The Brexit ones tended to be the more conservative ones. And then you had people like uh, Boris Johnson, who was suspended somewhere in the middle. Of course, he's, he, he's, he's American-born. Um, <clears throat> Nigel Farage is, is the only ideological beacon in Britain that's making all that much sense as usual. But the Tory party is in very serious trouble. Now, what would happen if Britain went left and America went right? Yeah. That kind of discord. Yeah. Now that it, it, back to the U.S. election with with all the scenarios, Jacob, and all the uh, all the problems that we have with the border and the, and the impeachment hearings, and uh, hopefully they start uh, and 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 try to take Trump down and put him behind bars or even assassinate him. Uh, do you see a scenario where we talk about the black swan, where now you have such a a rip in the election system that there'll be no election. There'll be major problems with the election, especially with states like Maine, Colorado, others to follow to try to take them off the ballot. That there would be this this it'll trigger this massive uh, move toward states not wanting to validate their elections. Yes. Well, first of all, in addition to the things that we've already mentioned concerning the border crisis, with the it being a racket with it being slave labor with necessary to remain competitive in labor intensive industries and with with, with the demographic spin-off um to, to keep the population from from declining the way china is and so forth a fourth is they want to give the right to vote to illegal immigrants mm. already allowing people who entered the country illegally to become policemen in california yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the power of arrest against American citizens when they enter the country. It's just beyond beyond the pale. 
So that will be the first factor. That will be a factor in elections, for mm. sure, for sure. The Democrats are trying to take over states like Texas. Oh yeah, and, overrunning uh, it. Yeah, and, and and that's why they're so angry that the Texans are buying bus tickets to send these people to Chicago and New York, who say they want cities of sanctuary. <laughs> you you have <coughs> the corrupt Justice Department of the Biden administration litigating against the state of Texas for arresting illegal immigrants. Unbelievable. We're not going to enforce the law, and if you force it, we're going to take you to court. This is how this is how corrupt it is. Openly corrupt. Yeah. These things have electoral implications. For sure. Absolutely for sure. Okay, that, that is the first thing. But the second is, if you can generate some kind of a crisis where you're going to use another pandemic, for instance, to force states to use vote harvesting, ballot harvesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've already got corrupt counting, or at least unaccountable accounting. Counting. Yes. Absolutely. It can absolutely happen. But that's wow. only in the electoral sphere. We're talking also about digital currency. Yes. Because on a situation like this, a black swan event, whatever we want to call yes. it, you would have a introduction, and Jay and I talked about it earlier, CBDCs, digital security, digital IDs, just to get onto the internet. And, and one fascinating thing, it's already it's already in place in certain sectors. And, and Jay, yes. you can talk a little bit about this because you have to deal with this on a consistent basis. Every day. People may every not day. know. Yeah, every day. People may not know what you have to go through, but this is what's in store for the rest of us, normies, I guess you could call us, that it, unless you're dealing with it on a one-on-one -on -one basis, you really don't know what's already in store and what could possibly mean if these things become enforced upon yes. you. Like we talk about Black Swan event, the shutdown, yes. lockdowns, it comes with digital security, digital IDs and CBDCs. Go ahead, Jay. So um, Microsoft, uh, all their products are tied to their Microsoft Office 365. If you have an email, if you want to use a Word document, all of those programs are tied directly to Microsoft 365. And last year they implemented, and I've said this before, every time I log into Microsoft, it's required that it verifies using my phone's camera that I am facially recognized as the person who owns that account. And that's tied in with my job, and think about it this way to use the program of Microsoft to use their basic programs that's already in place imagine the next step is to use a Google browser it needs to identify you to log into your Google account your Chrome account once more most of you have online banking online banking facial recognition to put your password and your username in it's it's already here and not only that wherever you go you have the phone that's tracking where you log in so it it has data where do you work when do you work how long do you work where do you spend where do you shop how long do you shop it's a form of the digital id is a form of surveillance and control they can put that into an ai and predict your patterns of movement 
and everything that you do in a day. And what's more, they'll sell that data to people who will use it to market things directly to you. That's going on already. Correct. Yeah, it's gonna be enhanced. I was reading an article several years ago where it says Facebook can predict your bowel movements. And it was quite fascinating because Facebook got it down pretty well by tracking people's, um, uh, I guess you could say by tracking people's uh, 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 you know, usage of the app. They could tell when they got up, they can tell when they did whatever they needed to do, when they stopped and they said, well, that's when they actually go to the bathroom. And tied and in with the biometrics that they're, yeah. they're already, you know, the Apple iWatch, the, yeah. the, the Fitbits, all of those are biometric scanners. They can tell how healthy you are. They can tell what conditions you have. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it is coming very, very fast. And, and that was several years ago that Facebook was doing. And now the enhancement of what you'd mentioned, Jay, with, with some of this trackable, some of the wearable, some of the AI that wasn't there a few years ago, now it's enhanced. Um, now you're going to have uh, uh, you know digital toilets, digital toothbrushes. That's all coming onto the market where they'll be able to tell if you're sick, you know, be based on your uh, uh, on your bowel movements, based on your fecal matter, based on your saliva, you know, the bacterial saliva percentages. It, they're going to know if you let them, I suppose. Maybe you're going to have an off-ramp on this, but you're, they're going to know pretty much everything you ever wanted to know. They'll know you better than you know yourself, your patterns, your behavior, and, of course, what you look at. And Jay, you're talking about the, not the Oculus one, but the Apple one. Yeah, the, the Apple uh, visor. Um, yeah. th- that's that's how they'll get you to accept it, though. Yeah. You slap on an Apple sticker and you say, "Wow, look at this! You're gonna get to." It's so cool. You're you're gonna you're gonna be able to do all of these things and much more if you if you do it. And what does it do? It tracks your eye. It tracks your pupil dilation. It it shows. It looks when you're walking down the street with it. If you were to do so, I don't know why you would do it because the battery life is very very short. But if you walk down the street. It measures where you look at things in the real world. Fascinating. And it just tells you what you're interested. It tells them what you're interested in. Yeah. And that's how they market everything. This this is going to revolutionize your life. It's going to be so convenient for you. But really, what it is, it's it's a fetter. It's a mm. it's a it's a it's a way to rein you in. To control you. That's Absolutely. what it is. Yeah, technology is moving so fast, and a lot of times people don't even realize that some of the changes and some of the new things that are coming on that have already been in place, but they just haven't been uh, to market yet. And now, now it is, and it's 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 formidable. You can't get away from it. You talk about the Microsoft thing. There's other technology that's on the way. Your phone, people attached to their phone. A majority of people that just they love their phone. They're attached to their phone. They don't go anywhere without their phone, and it's quite a big part of your life already. And uh, technology companies know that they promote it. They 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 basically build your life around the phone, and people go right along with it. And it, all it takes is to be enslaved in that digital world, and um, you're part of the system. And, well, Marco, and that's a big thing for Christians. Yes, Marco, it, it's even worse than that because what you have to ask the question: Why are people addicted to their phones? Mm. The the reason people, I, I submit to you, are addicted to the phone, is because it takes away their need to think right you know you don't have to study to know something anymore you just google it and you can google it anywhere you are you don't you don't need to look into something and really research it you don't need to die do a deep dive you know there's an answer right there that that 98 percent of people will accept is correct 
You know, think about how conversations go nowadays. It's not like yeah. you discuss things. It's like, oh, well, I don't believe you. I need I need to check this out. Yeah. And where yeah. do they go? They, they they don't go to books. They they don't go to authorities. They go to Google. Yeah. So yeah. Google said it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So you talk about a diminishing intelligence in society. It has oh, everything to sure. do with iPhones and and Android phones and the yes. ability to get away from book knowledge. Yeah, or studying or researching or thinking critically yeah. through a subject and, and, and reading up on it and, and being having some ha kind of handle on it, not just a, a, a one-minute answer. Very good, Jay. Uh, I, I wanted to switch real quick uh, to something that, uh, as we finish uh, uh, catching up and we'll move into our uh, backstage and just wanted to let everybody know thank you for watching and being live with us and uh we appreciate your comments if you have any comments uh our guys could see it and read it jay and davy can read it and see it and uh let us know if there's an interesting comment there that we can mention uh but also get ready for questions we'll be putting jacob on questions on backstage and we got uh, a pretty good backstage you don't want to miss it regarding uh believers in the christian faith and the persecution that's going on so uh one thing that's really interesting it is the uh, intelligence information that's coming in right now, Jacob, regarding Yemen, the U.S., the U.K., and about other 44 other countries have drawn some kind of line in the sand, which is probably going to be erased very quickly, uh, on the Houthis. And it says, well, you can't move this, you can't do this anymore, you can't do that anymore, uh, regarding the attacks uh, uh, to ships in the Red Sea. Now, the Houthis, of course, they seize another French ship, they attack another one, uh, through uh, drones, uh, it seems to be that that, re that that line in the sand didn't mean anything because uh, U.S., Britain, Japan, and other countries have said the same thing. It's, it's You can't attack anymore, but they've been doing it since November 19th. It hasn't stopped. Now this blockade is working. Egypt's in trouble. There's less ships going into the Eilat port. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and, and, and what are we looking forward to? The Houthis are going to back off. Are they going to continue this attack until something's done? It's important, as always, we take a comprehensive perspective of what's transpiring with the Houthis and with the entrance portals into the <clears throat> southern access of the Red Sea and north to the Gulf of Aqaba, as you say, access to the Israeli port of Eilat and the Jordanian port of Aqaba, Jordan's only port, um, only port. as well as to the Suez Canal. Uh, vital to the economy of, of Egypt. The first is that it will up costs of all kinds of commodities and oil oh, from, from the Far East and from the Middle East to Europe, having to sail around the Horn of Africa, um, as happened before the Yom Kippur, uh, after the Yom Kippur War when the Suez Canal was closed. Um, it's going to push prices. That's the first thing, including oil prices. It'll also impact Chinese trade. Uh, China is just as reliant on the Red Sea and the, the, the Suez Canal as are, are the Western countries. Um, China's vulnerabilities in the Straits of Malacca, but it has the same vulnerabilities uh, as, as other countries with, with with the access to the Red Sea. In fact, China has a major military base at Djibouti, 
uh, near the Horn of Africa, not far from the entrance to the to the Red Sea. Um, <clears throat> second aspect, um, the Yemen government, the Yemeni's government, cannot really control it beyond a very limited point. It is yeah. Iran who's pulling the strings. The Iranians know they have a weak, senile, corruptocrat in the White House, and they can get away with murder, so they're going to get away with murder. Um, yep. No consequences. It is completely hip hypocritical and useless and cowardly to have sent that letter to anybody <laughs> other than Iran. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're dealing with Iran, who the Biden administration has funded, as Obama did, who the Biden administration has allowed to pursue Iranian enrichment to a very high grade of, of uranium, close to weapons grade, close to weapons grade. You know, it, 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 and it is, of course, Iran who is controlling Hezbollah and, and Hamas, ultimately. So it is, it is completely stupid to have even drafted such a letter unless you send it to Iran. That's the second thing the media is not Very telling. Good. Very good. The third thing is it does show that there's already active American and to a degree British engagement in the war that's taking place um, with Hamas and to a degree with Hezbollah. You've got it's coordinated with these attacks on American bases in Iraq and Syria, uh, where there's been over 100. And it is also the United States Navy defending Eilat and the lower Negev from missile attacks fired by the Houthis, missiles, again, supplied by the Iranians, fired with the help of Iranian advisors and technicians. It's, it's Iran, again. So the United States is actively involved in, in, in the shooting aspects of, of, of the Hamas war. Um, thirdly, uh, fourthly, look for the usual parasitism and hypocrisy. Look for other countries expecting the United States and Great Britain to carry the weight and the American taxpayer to fund it instead of doing their share and protecting their own interests. Look for them to want a free ride on the back of America and of Britain. Um, that's always been the case. They always do that. Um, it, it's the nature of the European powers to do, the continental European powers to do that. They want, gonna, we don't want to get involved in the shooting. We'll let the Americans do it, even though, even though our own vital interests are there. And true to form, expect the same stupidity. When you've got a joke like Lincoln or a joke like Austin, or a corrupt joke, like like Biden himself, and certainly Jake Sullivan. When these are the kind of people you're dealing with, um, expect more business as usual. So look for them to, to want a free ride on the back of America and America and Britain. Um, but as you rightly point out, the ramifications for Israel, Israel's only access to the Indian Ocean and the Far East, is from the port of Eilat. That's right. Likewise, which and it's Jordan's only port on any body of water. Jordan's only access to international shipping lanes is from is from Aqaba. Um, and again, the Egyptian economy, generally Sisi, uh, Sisi oh, suffering big time. It, it is utterly, utterly dependent. It, 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 they cannot possibly meet their budget expenditures without the revenues from the canal. Cannot exactly. possibly do it, and Iran knows that. Iran yeah. knows this. Yeah, 
again, it's the weakness and the corruption of the Biden administration has made this happen or allowed it to happen. It would not be happening had it not been for the incompetence and the corruption of, 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 of Biden, of Joe Obama. Jacob, real quick, are we heading toward a major escalation up in uh, up in Lebanon, up in Beirut? Uh, senior Hamas leader uh, Saleh al arari uh, was eliminated by the yes. Israelis, and uh, he was a major component of their attacks. Of course, he was known as a, a major terrorist, and uh, he was listed as a global terrorist by the United States in 2015. So are we heading to a major escalation now that Israel has eliminated one of the guys? Now, there's many, oh. and there's plenty. Don't pay attention to Nasrallah and what he says. Pay attention to the ventriloquist, Iran. <coughs> okay? Pay attention to the ventriloquist, which again <coughs> is Iran. There are people in Israel who are saying, once we get rid of Hamas out of Gaza, then we will deal with Hezbollah and Lebanon why fight on two fronts when we can fight on one front? We have to remember the economic costs and the impact on Israeli business and industry when you've got so many people in the reserves. Yeah, Israel is a reserve-based army. The IDF is reserve-based. It's called Miluim. Um, there is a standing army, but the main fighting force are reservists. When you're taking people out of the job market temporarily, or out of, out, of, out of the labor force, rather. Um, it has a tremendous economic impact on the rest of the economy in terms of its production capacity, manufacturing, it affects everything, um, as well as the cost of it. So the Israelis do not want to fight on two fronts at the same time. The Israelis can fight on two fronts at the same time, short term, get it over with quick. But anything prolonged, the economic cost is too high. So the Israelis may be wanting to deal with Gaza first and then deal with Hezbollah second. That is that is very much a possibility. But as far as what Nasrallah says, forget about him. It's what the ventriloquist says. Once more, we're dealing with Iran. Before I get to Iran real quick, any thoughts on Istanbul and the foreign minister saying, hey, this war needs to stop? Turkey's been rather quiet about all this, condemning Israel, of course, and all that. Uh, but now that this war is now in the north, closer to Turkey, uh, do you see Turkey playing a role in it, Jacob, at least to try to maybe not placate the Israelis, but just say, hey, this needs to stop? Having denied access to NATO, being blocked by the Greeks over Cyprus and other traditional hostilities between Greece and and, and and Turkey, they're, they're, they're mutually inimical. Okay. They are not going to resurrect the Ottoman Empire the way they did before World War I, when the Kaiser made an alliance with, with Turkey. They're not going to resurrect the Ottoman Empire that way. The only way they can resurrect the Ottoman Empire is to extend Turkish influence and control into the Muslim Arab world. There is a great hypocrisy in this because the Turks subjugated, even enslaved the Arab world 
just watch the film or read the book Lawrence of Arabia. Arabia, that's right. Or it was the Turks who destroyed the Kaaba. The Turks at one time destroyed the Kaaba in Mecca. Turkey is out for its self-interest. There is another factor that's important in what Erdogan is doing. It is theatrics and diversion. The Turkish economy is in trouble. He has made it even worse with his absurd policies of, 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 of lack of monetary control. Um, he pursued what amounts to pro-inflationary policies. Mm. Turkey is in trouble. Yes, Lira has been done for a couple of years. Two British warships were denied access through the Dardanelles and the Straits of Bosporus into the Black Sea. He's trying to play his hand and extend his leverage in any way he can. Um, he's also banking on the fact that it is, there is a NATO base in Insulik in southern Turkey. Yes. Now, I personally think that because of the proximity of these sovereign British bases in Cyprus, Insulik is not all that important. Hmm. What is important is the Dardanelles and the Straits of Bosporus, the access to the Black Sea. That is just a card he holds, and he can and he's using he uses that to bribe NATO, to bribe <laughs> Europe, to bribe America, to bribe anybody he can. That is what he's doing. But the economy of Turkey is gone to the wall. <clears throat> it is a big mess. It is not getting any better. Um, <clears throat> and he has to consolidate both domestic power somehow and by sticking his nose into the Middle East <laughs> conflict. That That's one of the ways he, he obviously does it. But he's also has this ambition of taking the Turkey of Atatürk. Now you have to understand what's happening with Erdogan in Turkey. Atatürk wanted to do with post-World War I Germany, uh, Turkey after the Ottoman Empire collapsed. He wanted to reinvent Turkey the way MacArthur wanted to reinvent Japan, where you'd have, in Japan, you'd have the Shinto religion and you'd have Japanese culture but you'd have a Western government and a Western economy with a separation of religion and state. What MacArthur did to Japan. Atatürk wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. He wanted to have a Turkey. Okay, it will be Islamic, primarily, and it would have an Oriental culture, but it would have a Western economy and a Western government. Erdogan is trying to take that and, and, <laughs> and put back, put back the Ottoman Empire, which was, had an Islamic identification. It would be much like if somebody came along and wanted to turn Japan back into a shogun state with the yeah. shogun. With the... Yeah, or, or what Iran did with the Ayatollah when 1970. James knows more about Japan than I do. You want to comment, James, about what I said? You're you're right. Uh, that's what MacArthur did, but one of the unobserved consequences of that is that Japan now is 99% atheist, and yep. the Shinto religion, it's not even a religion. 
It's a it's a it's a cultural it's a cultural like a observance. Yeah, it, it's the same as China. You know, China when the communists came in, all the spirituality you, they tried to destroy it, yes. and they 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 really turned it into a secular state. Yeah, Japan has that same problem. Turkey, yeah. it's so long under Atatürk. I think it's the same thing. You've got so many secular Turkish people that don't necessarily want this, but the new generation that's coming up don't yes. like the status quo. So mm. they want to go back and be in line with the rest of the Muslim world. Yes. It's something that can only Japan. happen in Turkey. It could never yeah. happen in Japan today. Japan is... <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm just drawing the comparison between the Bogotvization of Japan and the Atatürkization of Turkey. Yes. The model. Absolutely, and and just to comment a little bit further, MacArthur had to do that, by the way, because we must remember that the head of the Shinto religion is the emperor. Yeah. So yeah. you you have to you have to separate that in a very real way to yeah. conquer Japan. Yeah, I know. This was the stupidity of the Bush administration, where they thought that they could have regime change. Um, yeah. MacArthur was able to bring about regime change in in Japan, uh, permanent regime change, be, because he changed the mentality of the culture by demythologizing Shintoism. Correct. Yeah. He made the emperor appear on the radio and say, "I'm not God" and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he didn't have much choice; they would have hung him. You know, <laughs> as a war criminal. Okay, MacArthur demythologized the Shinto religion. Unless the West is willing to demythologize Islam, and they won't, and, they, yeah. and they are very unwilling to do that. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. no way you're going to do what MacArthur did. There's no way you're going to. There's no way you're going to MacArthurize a Muslim country unless you do what MacArthur did. That's right. Yeah, uh, Jacob. Let me switch over to Iran real quick before we finish because we we got to finish our catching up. Uh, Iran vows to respond to this deadly bombing. It killed 84 people. It was the, the crowd that was there marking the anniversary of uh, uh, the, the, the assassination of Soleimani. And uh, 84 people died. They blame it on ISIS. Uh, Abraham Rizin said it was Israel. It was the U.S. Nobody really knows. But ultimately, ISIS seems to be the one that it's uh, most culpable of this. Now, the U.N. Secretary, uh, Antonio Gutierrez, condemned it. Uh, the attack, oh, deep condolences, blah, blah, blah. Usually the U.N. does that to uh, the Revolutionary Guard. But nonetheless, Iran seems to be very quiet about all this. But maybe this will spark maybe some outrage. I know Blinken is going uh, to the Middle East to uh, deal with the regional conflict, the regional conflict that is surging. Most indicate there's a massive escalation coming to the Middle East in 2024. Most people in the intelligence uh, community of the world do not believe Blinken is uh, uh, up for this task. I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. But I just wanted to bring those two things before we switch over to one final topic. But Blinken to the Middle East, he's got uh, it's on fire right now. Iran, very upset with what happened with the killing of 84 people at the at the uh, 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 the crowd that was marching for Soleimani. Your thoughts on those? Again, the Muslims know, the Muslim world knows that Blinken and, and Austin are a pair of clowns. They, they, they know that. They, they know that Biden is weak, senile, and corrupt. They, they know all that stuff. <clears throat> so this is opportunism for Iran. Okay. 
However, we have to observe this in terms of the Sunni-Shia divide. Had Obama, had Barack Obama and, 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 and Biden not given hundreds of billions of dollars in unfrozen funds to the Iranian regime, it would be in a very precarious situation in terms of its capacity to retain power. There are secular Iranians who do not like the mullahs. That's right. Uh, they, they made a power play to depose the mullahs. However, Barack Obama took the side of the mullahs and wouldn't support the dissidents. We can thank Barack Obama for the mullahs keeping power. The same he's as the, the gift that Barack keeps Obama. on giving. <laughs> yeah, he's the gift that keeps on giving to radical Islam. Okay. Um, and, and Biden continues this. And Hillary Clinton carried, they're all involved in it. We're all involved in it. But th that is what is happening. You've got an actual growth of born-again Christians in Iran. Right, that's Iran, right. How big it is, estimates vary, but it's definitely something that's there. People are disillusioned by the mullahs and have been, always have been since the 80s. Mm. Um, but there is a growth of the church and there's a growth of political dissidents. Amen. Who, who did it? If it was ISIS, and I think they've arrested like 11 ISIS adherence today in Iran and they're blaming yes. ISIS officially. Yes. Which is interesting, they're blaming ISIS instead of the Israelis. You know, <laughs> for propaganda reasons, you think they want to blame the Israelis. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But they're but they're pulling back from that. Now that tells you they're afraid of something. Possibly an invasion of, of Lebanon, of, of, of Hezbollah. Possibly. But um <clears throat> or or the or they don't want anything that's, that's going to provoke anything that's going to um, prevent them from developing nuclear weapons. They don't want a conflict right now until they get the bomb. That's right. That, that could be another factor, which would also be courtesy of, bomb, of, of Joe Biden, uh, of Joe Obama. Um, there are reasons that they're not blaming the Israelis. And to go after ISIS, well, why? Simply, again, it comes back to the old Shia-Sunni divide the Shia-Sunni divide. ISIS is Sunni. That's right. Mullahs are Shia. This is a, a huge factor that most Westerners fail to perceive. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, with that thought, uh, the last topic for this one before we move to backstage, and we do have a, an interesting comment that I want to read before we finish. Uh, I was reading about this uh, Peace and Prosperity, uh, which is basically a uh, President Trump's resolution for part of the normalization, and it was drafted by Trump, by Kushner, and other members of his cabinet in January 2020. And it's about a 180-page booklet that you can people can read it. Uh, it talks about economics, security, stable Palestinian state, and all that stuff. And it was pre presented as a way to bring peace and security and economic, eco economic revival to that area. Uh, it talked about a two-state solution, not that I agree that it should be a two-state solution, but politically speaking, economically speaking, many people jumped on this, Jacob. Many people jumped on it as, as a viable solution to the issue of the Palestinian Gaza and the West Bank in Israel. And they really wanted to change that area. In fact, if you were to read it, it goes on to explain that it will normalize the, the relationship between the two, and it'll bring other states into it, like Saudi Arabia's and the Arab states, as 
partners into investing in Gaza, uh, as well as transnational uh, uh, corporations, and it'll bring security, it'll bring economy. Listen to what they wanted to do. They wanted to uh, build an island, build an airport, build a port, uh, build a tunnel that would connect basically Gaza to uh, the West Bank, large task, but you know, however they were going to do it. And the money was ready to go. It was going to be part of a major deal for Trump. And you know what stopped it? All the transnational corporations, as well as investment from other countries said, no Hamas, no Hamas, Hamas has to go. Well, the Palestinians in Gaza said, well, you know, it's Hamas has to stay. At least they're the ones in charge and there's no elections. So much of the negotiations stopped. Saudi Arabia says, will not sign off even on the Abraham Accord until Israel deals with the Palestinian issue, which is has to do with Gaza. What is it going to take to make this deal happen? And this is a question that is being surging recently, that the Saudis don't want this war to go on anymore. They want to get this economic deal done because it behooves on them, it behooves them, because they don't want the Palestinians in their country. Jordan doesn't want the Palestinians in their country. You know the whole story there. You told us about Black September and all the things that happened uh, with the former king, the, the, the father's uh, Abdullah, uh, his father, dealing with them. Uh, Lebanon doesn't want them. Egypt doesn't want them. So the only way to deal with them is leave them in Gaza. And this was part of Trump's plan. Saudis are very warming up to this idea because they want security against Iran, against Turkey, yeah. and against the other Shiite nations. So the economy... They want prosperity. They want trade between Israel and the Arab states. They want religious freedom. They want to go into Israel. They want to invite Israelis into uh, Arabia because of the discoveries of the Mount Sinai possibly being there. And the Arabs want to visit yes. the third holiest site in Islam. Uh, Jacob, are we, uh, this, this scares me a little bit more. This is setting up to the Abraham Accord, which was the initial intent of yeah, bringing you're Arab exactly and correct. Jews together. It is part and parcel of the Abraham Accords. Look, speaking of somebody who voted for Donald Trump twice, I do not plan on voting for him a third time, but I did vote for him twice. Um, I've always warned the Abraham Accord reeks of something the Book of Daniel talks about, hmm. a false peace in the Middle East, hmm. a false peace in the Middle East. There will be no lasting peace in the Middle East until Christ returns um, as king of the Jews and brings about reconciliation between Jews and Arabs. That is the only way there's going to be a lasting peace. The Antichrist will attempt to counterfeit it, and it will come about by a union of strategic, economic, and religious interests. Yes. And I always, always, always was very skeptical, but also very suspicious of the Abraham Accords, even though it appears to make political sense, um, and even to a degree economic sense. Um, I'm not happy with it at all. Mr. Kirshner, uh, uh, he is a uh, unsaved Jew. I hope he becomes a believer, but he's Mr. Trump's uh, son-in-law. Yes. Um, it It is... Read Daniel chapter 9. A false peace of the Middle East is something the Antichrist will do. Now, I'm not saying Jared Kushner is the Antichrist. I'm not saying this is the treaty of Daniel chapter 9, the covenant. I'm not saying it is that, but I am saying it is heading that direction. For sure. For sure it is. 
That, that, that is the first problem. The second factor is, and that this is not being talked about, because of what happened in Dubai, and to a degree in Abu Dhabi, but particularly yes. Dubai, um, where you had something that was not oil-based, but that became an economic epicenter, a financial epicenter in Dubai, uh, in the Emirates. Saudi Arabia saw this and wants to have its own, which is NEON. NEON is up on the Gulf of Aqaba, adjacent to the Jordanian port of Aqaba, and quite close to the Israeli port of Eilat, Eilat, yeah, that's and, right, and 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 close to Sharm el Sheikh, um, and the the and the entrance into into the Gulf of Aqaba. So you got Egypt, Jordan, Israel, and Saudi Arabia all together in a close area. I've I've I've, I've been to the area, of course. It's all together in a very close area, and as you point out, it's the almost certain location, certainly the most probable location of Mount Sinai. That's right. But something else, another factor, the Israelis really want to build the Ben-Gurion Canal as an alternative to the Suez. This would fit hand in glove with the construction of Neon. You'd be able to have two-way traffic, not one-way traffic, two-way ship traffic connecting the Indian Ocean with the Mediterranean. Um, it could go to the Dead Sea from the Israeli port of, of Aqaba or the area around Ashkelon or the port of Aqaba, more likely, to the Dead Sea. And then from the southern access of the Dead Sea down to the down to Eilat. Um, and Aqaba is just opposite Eilat. It's walking distance, literally. Um, so, and, and close to Neon. It would be perfect. However... For that to happen, you'd have to make the canal strategically invulnerable. Mm. Um, and, and that would require some kind of a removal of Hamas. Yes. From because Hamas could can attack Ashkelon. It can attack... Yes, very close. Very yeah, close. It, it can attack Ashdod. And one of the possible trajectories or plans for where the canal could be built would actually let the canal... Um, come not out in Ashkelon or Ashdod, but in Gaza. Mm. In Gaza. Which will fit right with that port idea of the, the port. Exactly. This is... There are people in the, in the Middle East with long-term development Yep. You got it. Speculations. You got it. You got the it, Jacob. You port got is it. central to it. Neon is central to it. And the Ben-Gurion Canal is central to it. Now, the Ben-Gurion Canal would also replenish the disappearing water supply in the Dead Sea. See. It would make hydroelectric power, and it would help Jordan immensely. Um, They're all in on it. They, they all yeah. want this to yes. happen. You haven't heard much of this plan since 2020, and obviously the four years of, of, of Biden has really hit yes. all this and, and made it impossible, but much of the negotiations that the Saudis have stopped could restart if Hamas is dealt with. Because what they want to do is they want to create a buffer between Iran, the Central Asian countries uh, that that are with Iran, and them and the Arab states. And Israel is a big part of that. Israel is a big part of that. And of course, Ben Salman wants to make Saudi Arabia a big uh, tech country. 
a big tech uh, industry. And yeah. uh, they don't, like I said, they don't want the Palestinians in their country. They want to keep them there. And this That's seems right. to be to fit what yeah. they want to do. So well, this scenario, Emirates, Jacob, yeah, apart from Qatar, apart from Qatar, the Emirates, Kuwait, and certainly Saudi Arabia want Hamas gone. Yes. Egypt wants Hamas gone. Jordan. And, and Jordan <laughs> wants Hamas gone. But they're just condemning the Israelis for doing what they want the Israelis to do. This they is they the have hypocrisy. to do it. They have to talk tough because of their Muslim yeah, population, right. especially Jordan. Especially that's Jordan. But they're right. not condemning it because they know ultimately if they want prosperity, if they want trade, if they want stability, if they want the religious yeah. idea of going into yeah. you know, Jerusalem and the Jews going to Mount Sinai, they need to make this happen. So I'm concerned long term. Uh, of course, the war is concerned me. Make no mistake about that. But it concerns me that we're heading toward a time where people are just said enough with the war. Let's have peace and security. And Israel's going to be at the at, at the center of this. God knows what's going to happen if Trump wins. But if Trump wins, I can see a scenario where it says, "Let's go back to where we started, 2020, and Absolutely. let's get this deal done." Absolutely. But we have to remember, as you said, in the eyes of the Arab interests. Remember, if, if Jordan had a port or access to the, oh, the, man. the the Mediterranean Sea, if it had a port with access to the Mediterranean, if it used the Van Goyen Canal to, to take ships into Jordan, from into directly into the Mediterranean, it would revolutionize the economy of Jordan, which That's is right. a port that doesn't have any oil. That's it, right. It, it would have other benefits. Um, there's too much at stake of benefit to too many Arab countries. They yeah. all want the Israelis to get rid of Hamas, but they, they do. Can't. They can't say it, and plus they want a buffer with yep. against Iran and Turkey. That they, 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 they and Israel yep. can serve that purpose yep. for them. So, uh, very good, Jacob. Very good. I think we're going to hear more about this prosperity and peace deal. So keep an eye on that as we see the war. We always got to think that scripture talks about that there'll be peace and security. There'll be a major peace and security. There'll be a major deal going on in the Middle East that, as Jacob pointed out, I think he's right. It'll lead forward to other things that the Bible speaks about very clearly in Daniel chapter 9. So I want to thank everybody uh, for being on live with us. We're going to switch over to backstage, but I did want to make one comment. This uh, I think it was spot on, the person uh, that put this comment on our page. The EU has already launched a CBDC wallet. That is true. The central bank digital currency wallet. It comes with an optional chip. It's running from 2024 to 26 throughout Europe, giving merchant banks time to make the switch over. And that is very, very true. So uh, Bible prophecy and things that the Bible predicts comes very, very fast. And it's coming down the line very, very fast. So as we look ahead, we look forward to the coming of Jesus, but we also look ahead at the fact that many things are going to happen that are going to expedite this idea of not only Mark of the Beast, digital currency, eventually Mark of the Beast. And many people are going to be confused by it because they'll say, this is it, this is it, this is it. But ultimately, it's going to have to fit what the Bible predicts. It's going to have to be worship of the Antichrist and to take this mark, the name of the, the, name of the beast, the number of his name, and it'll be uh, that will be the Mark of the Beast. So we're not there yet but we can see the precursors of it. So, all right. Well, we're going to switch over. Send your questions in if you haven't done it already. We'll see you on backstage in just a few minutes. Stage, part of the show. 
for the episode that our tech overlords does not want us to talk about. So uh, we can talk about it here. And we thank you so much for being with us on Rumble, on Vimeo, on all the other platforms, MorialTV.org, MorialTV, Morial.tv. And uh, uh, of course, we're not on YouTube or Facebook for this one. So if you are somehow watching it on Facebook or YouTube, you probably see a blank screen. So switch over to Rumble, especially if you want to ask the questions. And here's the first question, Jacob. Who is the prophet referring to in Isaiah 63, 1 through 4? Is he referring to Jesus? Who's the prophet referring to? Okay. Who's the prophet referring to in Isaiah 63, verse 1 through 4? Is he referring to Jesus? Oh, this is our brother from Bulacan, Philippines. Good morning. He's a good brother. He's always been with us. He's always there in the, uh, on our kitchen. What verses? Uh, chapter 63, 1 through 4. The first four verses of chapter Who's 63. Who's the to with the garments of glowing bombs? Yeah, this is a prophecy about the return of Christ. All right. No, no doubt about it. It's Jesus coming. Is he the, yes. That's the one that comes from Basra. Yeah. He's the one that comes from Basra. All right. Very good. The whole thing of Mount Sa'ir and, and uh, Petra, that kind of thing. Yes. All right. Jacob, do you think the pre-trib rapture... I'm sorry. The reference to this would also be Isaiah 16. Isaiah 16. Cross-reference Isaiah 16. The tribute land to Selah. That would, would, the same, that would be the corresponding passage to this. Okay. That's good. Cross-reference to Isaiah 16. Thanks, Jacob. Do you think that pre-trib rapture hurts the church more than any other false doctrine penetrating the church? Not more than any other, but it but it is hurting the church. And as we get closer to the return of the Lord and the advent of Antichrist, it is going to be a main threat to the church's existence. Absolutely. Right now, I could not say it's hurting the church more than any other. There's the ecumenical movement. There's other things. There's the new apostolic reformation. There, there, there are other things, but certainly pre-trib is detrimental to the church even now, but it will become much more detrimental in the future. Is it a sin to play video games with things like witchcraft or murder purely for entertainment purposes or for someone to dress up as a witch or a wizard without actually practicing the occult? Well, we should not in the book of Acts, they burned all occult objects, remember? And they got saved. There, you have digital occult, it's, it, you have digital occult paraphernalia. It's just that it's digital. It's just that it's, you know, it's handheld. But it, it's, it's no, in substance, no difference than Ouija boards or tarot cards. Christians should not play around with that stuff recreationally. It's, it's, it's bad. We should also not don images of the devil or things satanic in that particular sense. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea for Christians to be involved in. What you're doing is you are degrading or demeaning the seriousness of that evil. You know what I'm saying? It's like people try to say Harry Potter is harmless. No, Harry Potter had a talking snake that was a good image, something positive. Now, a little kid hears in Sunday school, a talking snake is the devil, and the Harry Potter movie, he thinks it's okay. Well, a 14-year-old kid he can understand. A, a, a six, seven, eight-year-old kid is going to get confused. Um, 
we should not dabble in these kinds of things. I am very happy that we never had to deal with Halloween. My own children being Jewish, when they were small, we had the Feast of Esther, the Feast of Purim, which is when Jewish children get dressed up and they put on a play called the Purim Spiel from the Book of Esther. Um, we didn't have to deal with Halloween. But, but this kind of a question is very much like Halloween. Should Christians do it? Now, I don't mind a little kid getting dressed up like, like Bugs Bunny and knocking on the door and saying trick or treat. But the other kind of imagery of the, of, of the warlocks and the witches and making light of stuff like this, it, it becomes comical. But it's not good for kids. It's just not a healthy image for Christian children. That is my view. Very good. Uh, do people have to register to attend the Texas conference? Um, Jacob, I don't know if there's a Texas conference, is there? The Massey Foundation is organizing it. Just go yeah. to the website, Morial website, Morial.org, okay. and yeah. contact the Massey Foundation for information. It's yeah. not a Morial event we're being hosted. Yeah, we're being hosted. So yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, we don't know. So uh, you can contact them. What are your thoughts about the Germans in Lebanon being told to leave the country ASAP due to the war expanding? The very fact that you have European countries telling their citizens to get out is significant in itself. It may be an indication that they know something is coming. Mm. Now, at this point, it could still be just precautionary, but Lebanon is not a place to visit casually by any means. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, Jacob, do you have any comments or resources to dive into the differences between the Septuagint and the Masoretic text? Was the uh, Masoretic text purposely changed to remove the prophecies pointing to Jesus? I wouldn't say the prophecies were changed, but there were definitely things in the Masoretic text that redacted certain passages for that reason. One of which, or most outstanding of which, this would probably be Psalm 22, um, they were, where it says they, they pierced my hands and feet. Yes. Now, they changed this. There's something, it's technically complicated. My wife could have explained it better than me, called Mem Kriya, and there were others who think they shortened the Hebrew letter Vav, but Mem Kriya is another explanation, where it says Ka'ari, like a lion, instead of pierce, it is like a lion in the Masoretic text. But there are older manuscripts that say pierce. Which, <laughs> so if you witness to an Orthodox Jew and you show him Psalm 22, oh, it doesn't say pierce my hands and feet in the gamble for my clothes. It says like a lion. Well, there are other manuscripts that do say that. Now, of course, if I was witnessing to a Jew, I would show them Zechariah 12. Rashi and the rabbis say this is about the Messiah, the look upon me who they have pierced. I wouldn't base that argument of crucifixion only on Psalm 22. I'd look at it in light of Zechariah 12 if I was witnessing to an Orthodox Jew. But there have been textual modifications to the Masoretic. Yes, there absolutely have. I also think that there is an argument to be had that the Septuagint follows earlier Hebrew manuscripts than the Masoretic. When you understand these issues, you begin to see how the King James-only argumentation concerning the Masoretic falls apart, much the same as their argumentation about Texas Receptus, 
has so many gaps and 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 chinks in it. It's, the same is true of the Masoretic with the King James only people, the Ruckmanites. So yes, there have been textual modif- textual uh, redactions to certain passages in 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 the Masoretic, but on the whole, it is still a valid translation. On the whole, it is still broadly accurate. Very good. Uh, in light of the fact that it appears Christians were taken by surprise by COVID, how does that bode for a prophetic voice for the future? Well, in Scripture, we always interpret the nebulous and the complex in light of the well-illuminated, the clear, and what is simply stated. In the Olivet Discourse, the sermon, uh, in the, the Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, etc. When you look at that, okay, Jesus spoke of things, wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, pestilence. Now, when you look at COVID in light of what Jesus said about pestilence, um, well, it's like anything else, an increase in wars, an increase in seismic activities, an increase in famines, an increase in pandemics, okay? It should not have taken any Christian uh, by surprise if they read read the Olivet Discourse. Yep, very good. I mean, if you're reading your Bible and watching yeah. the world and events. And it's straightforward that these things are going to increase. Yeah. You know, perhaps the details people didn't know, but just to yeah, know, yeah. yeah, how wicked the world and how evil this yeah. globalist could be that it can change very, very quickly. One of the things that uh, amazed me is how rapidly people complied and were put into a uh, almost like it was it was mesmerizing that they yeah. had to do all this without ever thinking or ever, you know, ever wondering, well, what, what what am I doing? What am I supposed to do this? Uh, Jacob, can Christians eat black pudding, which is blood sausage I, in Ireland? I would, say, I would say that Christians, based on Acts 15, should refrain from eating black pudding. All right. Very good. Very good. That's the question. Very good. Thank you so much, Jacob. Let's talk about one final thing. And uh, I just want to bring this up. Uh, where is my Zoom? I don't know where it went. Yeah, I don't have it anymore. Uh, I'm here. There I am. Oh, I love Zoom. I'm only kidding, but uh, it is so difficult to navigate sometimes. There it is. All right. Uh, Jacob, let's talk about this final thing. No one's talking about it much, which has to do with the persecution of Christians uh, currently going on. Uh, There are people that are outraged at the war in the Middle East, and they should be at the outrage of war, people losing their lives, people being kidnapped, tortured, destroyed, like what happened on October 7th. And of course, nobody wants war. Nobody wants to see children hurt. Nobody wants to see that. But they quickly pointed out uh, that that is a terrible thing. But when it comes to Christians being killed, being attacked, being persecuted, no one seems to bat an eye on it. And And I think this is one of the few places catching up another other ministries have brought it up, of course, that the Islamist militia, Fulani, which is an offshoot of Boko Haram in Nigeria, have been killing Christians since New, uh, since Christmas Eve. 
Four villages okay. in 24 hours last night, 140 Christians total in the Plateau State, and no one, Jacob, seems to care. Uh, they've murdered 14 Christians last night. They burned a <clears throat> church down, many houses. They killed a pastor. Uh, the Islamic stake in the province of ISWAP, formerly known as Jama'al. And uh, it goes on and on. The yeah. gunmen attacking Christians, attacking kids, burning their homes, attacking churches, their pastors. Yet no one seems to care. Jacob Prash, <clears throat> we care. Here, Morial, the Barnabas Fund has an emergency appeal for the Christians in in Nigeria, and it's mainly northern Nigeria. Um, Boko Haram is the problem in western Africa. Al Shahab is the problem in east, eastern Africa. Since the Biafra War of the early 1970s, where there was the genocide perpetrated against Nigerian Christian tribes by the Islamic tribes. It was a fight over oil. Um, more than a million Christians easily, some would say two million, have been killed in Nigeria. Two million. Remember, in East Africa, 3.4 million were killed in Darfur. Nobody no, said no, 3.4 million. Let's go to the Far East. What happened in um, East Timor, the decimation of Christians, well, I small C Christians, they were mainly Roman Catholic, um, by, by the Muslims in, in, in East Timor. Nobody said a word of hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Now, let's even take it beyond that. What's happening now, Nagorno-Karabakh, what's happening to Armenian Christians at the hands of the Muslims, nobody is saying anything. It is only when you stand up to Islam, there's a problem. Hmm. Now, it even becomes more ludicrous, as we've pointed out in the past a few times. In Syria, between four and 500,000 Arab Muslims killed by other Arab Muslims. The Houthis killed a quarter of a million of their own Arab Muslims in Yemen. Quarter of a million. Nobody said a word. When the Muslims do this to each other and when they massacre Christians, the media doesn't care. The world doesn't care. You don't see protests in New York and London. Nope. In Washington or wherever. It's only when Israel stands up to them, the world cares. This goes back to Genesis chapter 3. I'll put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed. It is only when Israel or somebody else, but particularly Israel, stands up to them. When they do it to Christians, when they do it to each other, nobody has a problem. Nobody. One of the most disgusting displays of hypocrisy, fathomable, is what you see with the present Vatican, the Vatican, and the Latin Patriarchate, which is the Vatican's uh, satellite in the Holy Land. In southern Lebanon, Maronite Roman Catholics, Maronites, they're a eastern sect of the Roman Catholic Church, were driven out of their homes in southern Lebanon by Hezbollah, where they lived for hundreds of years, hundreds. Mm -hmm. They were driven out 
by Hezbollah. Nobody said a word. The Vatican said nothing. The Latin Patriarch said nothing. They turned their back on these Roman Catholics. Who took these Roman Catholic Maronites as refugees and gave them a new home? Israel. 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 The, the unbelievable, disgusting hypocrisy of the Latin Patriarchate and of the Vatican is unbelievable. Of the Irish government, which is predominantly a, a, still a Catholic country, they say nothing, nothing about what's happened to Roman Catholics at the hands of Islam. There's only one Roman Catholic church left, the Holy Family Parish in Gaza. Only one. Why? Because the other seven were burned down by Hamas. What's the Vatican say? Nothing. What's the government of the Republic of Ireland say in the dial? Nothing. What does the Latin Patriarchate say? Nothing. They just turn their backs on the Roman Catholics of the Middle East being persecuted by Muslims. The only ones who ever stood up for Roman Catholics in the Middle East were the Jews, were the Israelis. So they hate them. This is what you're dealing with. This is what's happening in Nigeria. This is what happened in Darfur. It's what happened in East Timor. It's what's happening right now in Armenia, in Armenia, Nagorno-Karabakh. It's what happened in Southern Lebanon. It's the same old story. People don't want to know, but God knows. Yeah, Jacob, and, remember the uh, the persecution against Sudanese Christians in the eighties? That's Darfur. Yeah, absolutely. They, 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 it, the documentaries have been made about that, and yet very few people know about it. Very few people know about it. And if you mention um, it, they call you Islamophobic, about... by the way. Oh, if yeah. You, if you mention anything about what Muslims do to Muslims, you're Islamophobic. If you mention what Muslims do to Christians, you're Islamophobic. If you mention what Islam does to Jews, Women you're Islamophobic. Yeah. Because it's, remember, since Bush, it's the religion of peace. It's the most yeah. peaceful religion of all time, even though most conflicts can be, you know, go be directly linked to Muslims not getting along with a minority or a majority in the country that they are in. By the way, you know, Islam is a, you know, this is another one that, that boggles my mind. Islam is a export of Arabia. Yes. And yet, you look around the world, and if you say anything about uh, the Christians in Africa, they'll say, well, that, that they're colonial. The Christian colonialists yeah. are there. That's but they will say nothing about the Arab colonial Islamists. Yeah. Even, you know, it, it's the most colonized religion around the world, and yet Christians are considered the colonialists, not Islamists. Yeah, very good, Jay. Now they destroyed Northern Africa, you know, Egypt, Morocco, all that when they invaded that, and obviously the Central Africa to Southern Africa, and like I'm a Western Africa now, but it is unbelievable the terror network that they've done against Christians in Africa. And of course, uh, this I want to finish off with this: the network of Hamas terrorists in Europe, ever increasing and ever growing, and yeah. even New Year's Eve what they were able to avoid by apprehending those uh, terrorists in Copenhagen and what they were planning on doing because they were all being funded seemingly by Hamas, Iran, call it Iran. And uh, Copenhagen, they arrested 
someone linked to the Loyal to Familia, which is a uh, basically an organization that uh, promotes gang violence in Sweden. And what they were planning on doing was stockpiles of weapons and grenades that would be given to the to the Danish uh, gangs, uh, machine guns, grenade, mortar shells. Uh, this is if anyone wants to know what Hamas was planning on doing in Europe on New Year's Eve. Uh, well, look what happened in Copenhagen and what they avoided. But it also it avoided it in Germany, avoided it in Paris, avoided it in other different countries as well. And uh, they're not the only ones that are dealing with that because in America, we also have those same threats, the same threats uh, that Hamas has been doing in, in Africa and uh, obviously terrorist organizations like Hamas, but also in Europe. And, and this is, again, this is Fatih Hamad uh, predicted. He's a former Hamas minister. Very soon, Allah willing, Rome will be conquered, just like Constantinople. Today, Rome is the capital of Catholics and the Crusaders, which has been declared hostility against Islam. This capital of theirs will be advanced post for the Islamic conquest, and it will spread through Europe in its entirety, and it will turn to the two Americas and even Eastern Europe until 510 million square kilometers of planet Earth will come under its system. There's no where there's no injustice, no oppression, no Zionism, no treacherous Christianity. This is what top official of Hamas, Mahmoud Za'ar, boasted. So if you want to know what they're planning on doing in America and in Europe, look what they're doing in Africa. And look what they're doing in other places, as Jacob talked about, um, in Armenia, in East Timor, Malacan Islands. This is something that they've done. And Jacob talks about the same story, uh, just different dates. Absolutely. And uh, But the ire and the and the hatred goes against the Jews who have actually uh, fought back against what they did to their own people in, uh, in, the, in the area in Israel when they attacked from Gaza. So uh, much, to, much to pray and much to consider regarding believers. Uh, I would suggest you go to, uh, I, I don't know if... Um, uh, um, I don't know if the organization has it, um, but I know, Jacob, what do you talk about? Barnabas Aid has uh, help for believers in the Barnabas the, Fund. Barnabas Aid. Fund. Yes. Is it, called Barna is, is it called Barnabas Aid now? I think they changed the name, didn't they? Barnabas Aid, Barnabas Fund. It's the same one. Well, I think they changed the name. I have, well, I, I'm on, I get their newsletter and they have a special yeah. fund for helping out. Helping Northern Nigeria, but I, I've always known it as Barnabas Fund. Barnabas, okay, it, it should be Barnabas Fund. If if you don't find Barnabas, I I I thought to change it to Barnabas Aid, but you can find it. Uh, you can also uh, watch that video that Davey put together for us. It's on the link on the chat. Yeah. Uh, Rumble. You can find out more about that and watch it. You can pray. You can send uh, uh, information to Moriel. Uh, we'll put your right contact with Barnabas Aid if you can't find it. Uh, but much prayer for believers. As much as it is prayer for uh, the Jewish people, for believers, uh, prayer for, again, those who are suffering in war and those who are being uh, uh, suffering the consequences of Islam. Wherever Islam goes, this is the ramification. This is the fruit of it. And uh, and also pray for the believers in Europe and America because they're up for a rude awakening. Uh, you know, multi uh, multiculturalism, this is what it leads to. And it goes on and on. But uh, to them, we must preach the gospel. To them, we must share Christ, and there's many ex-Muslims who have become believers and lovers of Jesus. So, uh, much prayer for them, Jacob. You also, uh, uh, I'd also ask us to pray for other ministries 
that evangelizes in our apologetic ministries to uh, to Muslims, including Jay Smith. And uh, Jay, do you have an update? I think Jacob updated us on um, Hatim Tash. Yes, according to Jay Smith, I believe uh, Hatun Tash has contacted him, and it appears that she is definitely alive. But uh, further details we do not have. Okay, yeah. So we need much prayer for her and much prayer for those who stand up and preach the gospel and, and give the truth to Muslims uh, who need to know the truth because the, 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 uh, the alternative is, of course the hatred and attack against uh, against Christians and against Jews. So that's all the time we have today. Just wanted to make sure everybody, uh, you, we thank you so much for being with us on our first Catching Up Live. Those who stayed up with us from all parts of the world, those who are uh, just getting up in the morning in Australia, New Zealand, in that part of the world, and those who are going to enjoy the afternoon here on the West Coast of California. Thank you so much for watching. Help us to uh, continue to pray for us, continue to pray with us for, the uh, obviously, the salvation of the Jewish people, salvation uh, of Muslims. They need the gospel and, of course, the protection and God's grace upon those who are uh, his people who are being persecuted uh, for the name of the Lord. Jay, uh, I think we're having some problems with Jacob's line, so can you close us out and just a few final statements for the beginning of the year, what to look forward to? and um, what the Lord's put on your heart for this year. Um, this is a time that we really need to uh, double down on building our faith, which is we have to exercise it. Every day we need to be in the Word. Every day we need to be praying. Every day we need to be evangelizing the best we can. I mean, God is going to open up doors for you with your family, with your, your acquaintances, with your co-workers. We always have to be ready to uh, give um, a defense for why in these darkened times we as Christians yes. rejoice. We rejoice because we know who's on the throne. We know who's in control and we know that he uses everything as a purpose for those he loves. And how much does he love those who are dying for his name? We need to be ready to open our hearts to those people that need Jesus. And we also have to be ready and willing to uh, sacrifice, especially in, in 2024, unlike any other year, our comfort for the glory of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Oh, Jacob, you're back. I thought we, the link was a little bit down. So we appreciate you guys staying up with us. We're here. Episode of Catching Up 2024 version. It's bound to be a very, very exciting 2024 as we see people come to Christ. Amen. And the enemies of the gospel come to Christ and gospel preaching. Pray for Moriel. Pray for the churches like Open yes. Door, the Literary Church of Devore, other ministries that are affiliated with us, that we go on with the gospel preaching and the gospel presentation and, and, and bring the truth to a darkened world. Uh, there's much work to do. And that's what we, but the labors are always few. So pray for, to the Lord of the harvest yes. to bring labors into the field. That's our biggest prayer for this year that God will bring to us those who will want to serve and those who are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that includes you. That includes us working together for the glory of Christ, serving together, using our gifts and our calling for his glory. And the way events are moving and the way technology is moving and the way 
polit uh, the, the political environment and wars and rumors of all these are moving so fast that I am not surprised that the coming of the Lord is approaching very, very, very fast. And so until then, we preach Christ. God bless Amen. you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.